0: Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life, Miami, and this is our podcast. This week particularly is a special week because my pastor growing up was with us. His name is Phil Stern, and I think you'll get a kick out of this week because we can continue our series, The Journey, and really focusing on what we do in the wilderness on the journey without even letting him know what we were talking about. His message fits perfectly in this as we talk about letting God arise and letting our enemies be scattered. I hope this podcast blesses you and I hope you're encouraged. God bless.
1: When I heard Jeff was going to be pioneering a church here and uh, you called me and said I'm gonna be pioneering a church over here and I said well you know we're gonna have to just stay involved and see what God's doing with you over here and uh, we were here the first Sunday you opened that door if you remember we popped over brought a pastor another guy with me and and uh, we just, we re, we're, we're watching. We're watching from a distance and praying from a distance and seeing what the Lord is going to do. As I was praying about being here, we don't take lightly. I don't take any, any lighter uh, standing in front of you as a group as I would whether I'd be in front of that church of 50,000. Um, the, in fact, and sometimes the smaller the group, the the more the butterflies still affect you, <laughs> uh, because it's just different in many different ways. And I, I'm glad that that still is there. We take seriously what God would ask us to share and bring, because I don't believe that any of us are here by accident today. I don't believe I'm here by accident. I don't believe you are. In those that came up from Word of Life, I just you're not here by accident. You didn't come just to support Jeff. You came because I believe God has something for you. And uh, and I I just am more aware of that more than ever before just about how much God ordains all of our steps on a regular basis. Yeah, we may think we make the decision to do that or do that, but I think God is involved in our life a whole lot more than what we realize. I mean, and I've shared this for years. If God has anything to do with us, he has everything to do with us. And so why you are and who you are, what God has done in your life, what you are doing with your life, I believe God has a purpose for it. As much as God has a purpose for my life, God has equally the same amount of purpose for your life. Don't ever forget that. You are not just a byproduct of anything. You have a purpose that God has given to your life. You have a reason for being here. And I believe for those that are part of this church, I believe God has ordained for you to be here for a purpose. It's not by chance that you're here. And you you know well what 's God doing here it doesn 't seem like like we 're getting a lot of traction, and I just want to share with this there 's a scripture in the Bible that you never you never should forget, and that is, despise not the day of small beginnings. Come on, Amen. despise not the day of small beginnings and I love how the Bible just backs this whole theology up of small beginnings because he gets it down to a common number that is tangible for every one of us to think. And that is, he says, one of you can chase a thousand. Okay. But he says, look at what the power of two is. You'll chase 10,000. So yeah, that 10,000 is pretty good, isn't it? And then if you keep multiplying that out, three will chase a hundred thousand, four will chase a million. The, The number multiplies. So don't despise small beginnings. Some of the greatest greatest moves of God in history came out of a small prayer meeting. Come on. Came out of a small thing. Some of the greatest companies ever birthed came out of a a think tank of just a few people, which was what one one of the reasons we have these things today is because there was a small think tank that a group of guys got together, led by the founder of Apple, and they said, let's dream about what we can do with something that's never been done before. It came out of a small think tank. didn't come out of a huge corporation. Now, Apple today is ginormous wherever you go, but it started in a small beginning, and I think you got to really get a hold of that. You are significant. In fact, uh, let's go back to that. What How would you have liked to have been in that little think tank of those guys that got together to develop Apple? It would have been pretty interesting, especially how many would have liked to buy some stock in Apple when it started. (laughs) I mean, just just $1,000, you'd be very wealthy today, okay? Just a little bit. How many would liked to have been in that kind of meeting? You know, and they have those stories where you go back and say, wow, if I'd have just been part of that at the beginning... Well, I want you to think in terms of what God wants to do in Miami. First of all, many of you had never heard of Medan, right? A lot of people never heard of Miami. But God's doing something amazing in Medan, in Madan, where it's 97% Muslim-driven nation at the time because of what God started in that little town. And they were telling me about 25 years ago when they started that church Madan. They, 20, just 25 years ago, there was a group of five people that gathered together in a pastor's house and said, we believe God wants to push back Muslim-driven nation here, and we're going to be part of that. And they, they absolutely kept meeting together. Well, they grew. Over five years, they finally grew to 500 people. I want to say that's pretty significant. In a Muslim-driven country, that's significant, Okay. Then the Lord spoke to them and said, take a journey to Israel. And so they took a journey to Israel in their fifth year. I think they had about 200 people out of the 500 that went on that journey to Israel. The very next year, from year five to year six, their church grew from 500 to 5,000. Whoa. Well, they obeyed God. You see, here's the deal. You never know. When, how, what, when, or where God is going to begin to do something that will, that will open the door or turn the lock to the key of what this city is. For some reason or other, God put it on this man's heart to come to this city when he told him to come to this city. That, guess what, was not natural. Am I right? Am I speaking? Okay, that it was a wildest dream. When Jeff told me he was going to Miami and I hand, hung up the phone, he's talking to me, I hung up the phone and I thought to myself, why? Yeah, <laughs> why, why? I mean, you know, I've driven on 44 ever since 1985 until now back and forth because I'm from Central Illinois and St. Louis and all that. I know every pothole on 44 like the back of my hand, and I've driven through here, and all I knew about Miami was it had a casino in it, and it was not any time an exit that I got off on. I just went right on through, okay, because I was almost to Joplin, and I can get off without getting through a toll booth in Joplin, all right, so I just go to Joplin, right, I knew Joplin, but Miami, I thought, what, what's going on? Oh, well, well, if this is, if this is just kind of a, of a of a of a bad pizza meal one night and he came up with it he'll get over it, <laughs> but no he wasn't getting over it right and you can tell when somebody's pregnant with something how many can tell when somebody's pregnant yeah. amen <laughs> you can tell there's something i mean before they before before they can be seen that they're pregnant. One of the things I did learn a long time ago, because I embarrassed myself, is I went up to a lady once, and we're chatting, and I asked her when her baby was due, and she said, oh, I'm not pregnant. I'm like, oh boy, I'm never doing that again. So, (laughs) but I, you can, you can see in a lady's eyes, and the reason I know that is because we have 10 kids, and we've birthed 10 kids, my wife and I together, she did the work I had very little part to do with it, she, but we have 10 kids. So I can tell, I could always tell in her eyes when she was pregnant. And you, there's a twinkle that goes on when there's something being birthed. There's something that of a glisten that goes on. And I could tell it was in Jeff's eyes that there was something that God wanted to do here. Now, it's a slow burn sometimes. Come on. Sometimes it's a slow burn. we got a chef back here. You don't cook things fast all the time. Some things are a slow cook. You want to smoke something really good, you got to get a cooker and you got to be patient. Ribs don't get done over just a few minutes on the grill. Am I right, brother? How long does it take to do a real good set of ribs? 10 hours. See, I don't have patience for that kind of grilling. I'm sorry, I just don't. I want to get give them to me frozen and I'll throw them out in the microwave, all right? <laughs> I know they're not as good, but if you'll have the patience for what God is doing in the process, this is gonna really taste good. And that's what I felt the Lord saying. I didn't know what you're gonna do those songs today, but I felt like I felt like if you'll have the patience to get through the, the incubation stage that you are in with what God is doing here. After all, it's only been nine months, and that's about how long it takes to really birth a baby. Hello. I don't know if you realize that. It's only been nine months. So we haven't even seen the face of the thing yet. My wife and I, we were so whenever we knew the baby was getting close, so we could hardly wait. We wanted to see that face, Okay. But that baby was as real as could be, even though it's still in the womb. I wanted to see the face. My wife could not wait to hold the baby and see the face, look in the eyes, and there's nothing quite as awesome as when you see that face first time and those eyes are looking right in your eyes, and they're looking at you. And you know what that baby's thinking when they look at your face? They're thinking... You've got to be kidding. <laughs> no. Really? This is my dad? <laughs> this is my mom? <laughs> and so, not really, but there's a connection that takes place. There is a connection that takes place. And here's what I felt is that the nine months has been all about the beginning of a birthing process here. I, I feel this in my spirit. The church that God is birthing here hasn't yet totally come out of the womb but it's on the way. In fact, I think it's in the birth canal. Come on. We're getting close, okay? And this is the place in time where God's saying, get on the ship even stronger because what's coming is going to be, you're going to see the fulfillment of it one day. Amen? Amen. So don't grow weary in well-doing because it's on the way. I believe God has in reserve for you a building in this city. This is not your permanent location. How many can say amen? All right, been great. Come on, thank God for it. God's been good. But God is getting ready to bring something about in this city for word of life to take some root here. Do you all receive that? I think it's coming. I think there's going to be some corrections along the way. Pastor Jeff, I don't know what that means, but I believe there's going to be some course corrections along the way. I think God's going to mess with you a little bit on how to do some things. All right, be willing to listen. Be willing to listen to the ones that God's putting around you because God's going to bring some right things with you. Amen? You got that? Let's pray for Word of Life for a few moments. Father, I just pray for this church right now. Thank you that you birthed this place. Thank you there was a conception that took place in January when the doors were open. Thank you that there's a baby in the making here, a baby church in the making. Thank you that this, this, this church is is going to fulfill everything that you've designed for it to fulfill. And, Lord, I'm just praying for Pastor Jeff right now. Come on, let's agree and pray for Pastor Jeff right now. Lord, that you will open his ears to hear every part of what you want him to hear for how to move forward in the vision and in this church. Lord, give him the wisdom of understanding to know exactly when is the right time Where is the right place? And Lord, I thank you that you will add to him even the right people. I thank you, Lord, the ones that have been held in reserve that are not here yet. That you will bring them here in your right timing. Lord, for some of those, there's been a restriction and a holding back. And I pray right now a release in the heavenlies. Release those people into this place, Lord God. Let's agree to that. Lord, that you will release every family that needs to come for this next phase of what you're doing here. Lord, I'm thanking you that they're on the way and that you are already turning them loose and that they will find each other here. Lord, I thank you that this church has been birthed by you. And we thank you, Lord, that the days ahead are going to begin to have some fruit come to them as Pastor Jeff has really prayed and cried out on his heart. So I thank you, Lord. I pray one by one, one by one. Bring them in one by one, Lord. And then two by two, Lord. Bring them in, Lord. And we know that you will be faithful because you birthed this thing in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Two scriptures, God, put in my heart for this for, to share with you today. <clears throat> and that is Psalm 68. If you, you want to go there or you can just, I'll read it to you. Psalm 68, there's a few verses there, and then I'm going to flip over to Psalm 34. Let me unload the scriptures to you first, and then I'll begin to share with you the thought of what God's put on my heart for you. Let God arise. That's how Psalm 68 starts. Let God arise. Won't you just say that with me? Let God arise. I, I think that, that, that those first three words of that verse just set the pace for what that verse is all about. He doesn't say, make God arise. It doesn't say, uh, do something to create something that God may arise. He says, simply just let God arise. Now, he's speaking to you and I here, okay? Let God arise. And then he gives us a promise of what happens when you let God arise. He says, let God arise. And then he says, then let his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and then let his enemies be scattered. How many would like to see the enemy scattered? All right, so we let God arise and then we let the enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him as smoke is driven away. So drive them away as wax melts before the fire. So the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad, and let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. So the emphasis in this verse here is not about conjuring anything up. It's not about trying to make something happen here. It's all about letting God be what he wants to be. You know, and we really struggle with that as human beings because we want to be those that make something happen. We want to be those that cre- that have, uh, let's get this thing done, all right? This is part, part of the frustration we can have as leaders from time to time is that, well, if I would just lead better, then God would do this better. And here he's saying, I'm just going to take you back and realize that you can't do anything. It's all about what I can do through you, so just let me arise. Now, the scripture that, that, that blends also with that is Psalm 34, starting in verse 2 through 4. It says, My soul shall make boast in the Lord, the humble shall hear of it and be glad. And then he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So the two phrases that I want you to just really get a hold of today is first of all, Are you letting God arise in your life, and are you magnifying God in your life? Letting God arise, and are you magnifying God in your life? These two things really help you to walk through daily routine of life. Letting God arise and magnifying God in every part of our life, okay? Life is filled with opportunity to let God arise, whether you realize it or not. The question is this Do you let Him arise, or do we magnify our problem? What are you magnifying in your life? He says to magnify God. We had one of our children out of our 10, one of them, the second one, his name's William. He loved magnifying glasses, and he would love to start fires with magnifying glasses, all right? He would take a magnifying glass, to take in the backyard, and get a pile of leaves and start a fire. We, just, we, we, had to, we had to push him down many times because he was dangerous with that magnifying glass. But this magnifying glass, if you've ever had one, I've seen some big ones and some small ones, but if you take it, you hold it on something, and everything looks bigger. It magnifies whatever you focus it on. This is the premises of what this scripture is trying to get to us here, is that what you focus on, what you look at, what you magnify, it will grow. It will grow. And through regular life, okay? Well, you might say, well, I I, I can't do this because of. What are you doing? You're magnifying the I can't do this. But I lost my job. Well, you're magnifying I lost my job. Well, let's magnify the Lord. Well, my marriage is not well. What are you doing? When you magnify that, your marriage gets even worse. When you magnify about the person that did you wrong, guess what? You continue to magnify all the reasons why you're right and why that person's wrong. Whatever you focus on, it begins to magnify. I lost a lot of money. Well, you magnify and all you can see is how you lost all this money rather than what God wants to do in the process of that. So the whole thing about letting God arise and magnifying the Lord is a strong principle to walking out life. And this is a test that I think we will all walk through constantly throughout our life because guess what? Life is filled with stuff. How many got some stuff in your life? All right, if you don't right now, you will tomorrow. I promise you, all right? Because life is filled with it. Now, what's our... What's a great, a great parallel to this in the scriptures? It's a, a story about David and Goliath, about how David just decided one day he was gonna go and visit his brothers up on the front line, okay? He was gonna take them the cheese, so to speak. Saul was thinking about when he got up there, he saw how this Goliath giant was just mocking the people of God. He saw how his brothers who were strong, how the strong men and mighty men that Saul had with him were just cowering under this incredible giant called Goliath. And they were were making statements that were magnifying the giant. Giant, I believe Goliath was big, but they had made Goliath a lot bigger than he was. Look at the phrases they were using. You are not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him. That's what Saul said to David. It said, look at he was not only magnifying the giant, but he was belittling David at the same time. He was making the giant bigger, and he was making the man that God had raised up for this smaller. He said, you are but a youth. He is a man of war. You are a shepherd. He said, look at how big he is, and look at how small you are. And come on, don't tell me the enemy has not mocked every one of us from time to time when we face an impossible situation, how big the problem is and how small we are in the problem. Come on, that's his trick, and he wants to diminish you just the way Saul was diminishing David. He said, listen, you don't have the right armor. You don't have, in fact, he's got a sword, and all you have is a slingshot. Who are you kidding? What do you think you can do against this great giant? So David, on the other hand, he began to let God arise and begin to magnify God in the process of it. How did he do that? He said, well, Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, And when a lion and a bear came and took a lamb out, he and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after him, and I struck it and delivered the lamb from his mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard, and I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed a lion, your servant has killed a bear. And look at what he was saying. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that it defiled the armies of the living God. What was David doing? Come on, what was he doing? He was magnifying the Lord, wasn't he? He was saying, if God delivered me out of the hand of a lion and a bear, God certainly will deliver this giant to me as well. Come on, guys, we got to learn how to do this in our life. When problems and challenges come, we got to learn how to magnify the Lord and watch what God will do. Moreover, David also said... The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. I remember when uh, I was on staff with my father in central Illinois. We were pastoring the church together there and uh, there was a, a businessman that was in the church and he was connected with some shady guys in Chicago. We knew that, but... He was trying to cover it all up and one day this businessman got into a financial crisis and he came to my father and said, I know the church probably has enough money to help me. I need $10,000. Give me $10,000 because I need to be bailed out. I'll pay it back eventually, but I need the $10,000. My father looked at him and said, we don't do that. You know, we can't, you know, I could talk to the board about it, but we probably won't do that. He talked to the board. The board said, that's not something we should be doing. We're not in the loaning business. We don't do that kind of thing. And so went back to the man and said, no, that man came back to my father and he said, listen, I know the mafia in Chicago, and they're going to come, and they promised me if I don't have this money, they're going to come and kill me. And what I'm going to do is tell them that you've got the money, and they will kill you too. He started to threaten my dad with the mafia coming to kill him. And I'll never forget that in the meeting with the businessman when I'm sitting there with my father. My father had a choice then, magnify the problem or magnify God. And my dad looks at this business guy who's connected with the mafia mafia in Chicago, which, from what I understand, are not nice guys. And he said to this man, he says, you can send the mafia from any city you want to take me out but they're going to have to contend with somebody a lot bigger than me because I am a servant of the Most High God, and my God will defend me, whoever comes against me. And that man looked at him and said, by 5 o'clock tomorrow, you will be dead. Woo! So, I mean, that's how the meeting ended. Well, my father could have walked out of that room fearful, we, we were wondering what's going to happen here. We had 5 o'clock the next day thinking about it. My dad woke up the next morning, and I remember him. He's, he started singing from that morning on, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. He got the family together and said, you know, we've been accused, and he said, possibly someone's going to come and try to take a shot at me. And he says, here's the song God gave me. And we all started to sing together. And later, let God arise, let his enemies be sta- scattered. Guess what happened at five o'clock that day? Instead of my dad getting shot, the man that said, I'm sending the mafia out of you, that businessman, the church, he died of a massive heart attack at the stroke of 5 p.m. that next day. Come on. <laughs> when you let God arise, he says, I will be your, I will come and I will vindic- I will, I will vindicate you from your enemy. And this man, it says, the, the, the report came back and says, his heart didn't just stop. It said his heart exploded. Folks, is God real or not? Can God be bigger than any one of your problems? When you let God arise, guess what? The enemy will be scattered. There's times when God will drop a situation right into your lap. When you can look at the impossibilities or you can look at the possibilities. When you need to stop talking to yourself about what the problem is and start talking to yourself about who God is in the problem, and something begins to change. Another great example in the scripture is Israel. And when they were walking through on their way to the promised land, you all know the story, how they they came out of bondage and out of slavery. They come right to the Red Sea. God opens up the sea. They walk through, get into the promised They get into the wilderness. So then they have to go from across the wilderness to get to the promised land. They get there in about 39 days, maybe 40 days. And then Moses says, let's send some spies into the promised land. And let's check out and see what's there, what we're up against. And they sent in these 12 spies. And they came back about a month later, and they came back with their reports. Some of their reports were, we found, oh, we found grapes the size of basketballs. We saw all this great abundance. It truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. And they saw this. And then all of a sudden, here comes the thing that diminishes, again, not letting God arise, is they said, oh, but the giants in the land are great. We can't defeat these people. They're way too strong for us. The only two guys out of all of the spies that went in were Joshua and Caleb that said, we are well able to go into this land and we can defeat these guys. It's amazing how they would not allow God to arise in the situation. And as a result, the children of Israel wandered around the desert for another 40 years. It's totally amazing how a negative report and what you focus on can stop you in your destiny. It can stop you in your tracks. So when they come back after 40 years, the two guys that wanted to go in at the beginning, they became the leaders of the children of Israel at that time and took them across the promised land because they were magnifying God. I mean, these spies what they came up with was just amazing. And these Moses said to them, here's what we need to do when we actually go in 40 years later. Be of good courage, bring some of the fruit of the land. Be of good courage, be of strong, and watch what my God will do for you. And those were the very things that Joshua and Caleb took the children of Israel in. In fact, you go to Joshua, and you can read in the scriptures there where that's what his command was then. Be strong and be of good courage, for the Lord your God is with you. And what did they do? They were victorious when they went in. It's amazing what happens when we allow God to absolutely rise up and be strong with us. You see, when we're magnifying the Lord in our problem, and you say, well, my problems are not that big. Well, maybe they're bigger. When you have a problem in your life, it can become magnified very quickly. I don't know if you've ever done this. I know my wife and I have done this. Something comes in as a challenge in our life, and we start to talk about it, and we start to talk about, yeah, that's going to be tough to get through. And, well, I don't know what we're going to do with that. Well, what are we going to do? And we start going down this doubt road. Anybody ever done that in the car or wherever, sitting down? Well, what are we going to do with that? How are we going to get through that? I mean, how are we really going to make get through this situation here? And we start doubting our Lord and everything. But when we stop and we say, God, We don't know how we're going to do this, and that's all right to say that. But we are going to see you do something amazing here. Amen? We are going to see you turn this thing around. I can tell you, every time my wife and I have taken that stand together, we have seen the circumstance turn around. It's been a miracle how God has absolutely changed the landscape. I remember when I took 40 people down to Mexico on a bus once, and it wasn't to a five-star you know, all-inclusive resort. It was on an old rickety Greyhound bus that was a 1950 model, or whatever, double clutch shift all the way down there. It was a crazy thing, but we are on a on a mission trip down there. And this was way back in the, oh, I want to say it was 79, 1980, back when it was illegal to take Bibles into Mexico. We were smuggling Bibles on this bus into Mexico. And, uh, People have no idea how close Mexico came to becoming communist, okay, in the process of that time frame. They were illegal to take these Bibles in. So we had hidden all these Bibles under the seats in, with our luggage on top of them, and we'd had, we had about 5,000 Bibles that we were taken into, into Mexico. We get to the border of Mexico. And we had pre-planned, so we unloaded all the Bibles in America, and we had Mexicans come across the border, put them in their pickup trucks and put produce on top of them and take them across the border to another location in Mexico, down on one of the border towns. And then we met them there after they did that for a whole day, taking all these Bibles down there. We then put those Bibles back on the bus again because we had gotten through the checkpoint. Oh, we were so sneaky. We were just as clever as could be getting through there. What we did not realize is that about 10 miles inland, they'd put another checkpoint, and we ran right into the checkpoint. We get to the checkpoint. We have these guys come on the bus with their their guns over their shoulders, and they come looking through, and they're under the seat, and they're looking under the seat, and they find all of the Bibles on our bus. Wow, you could have heard a pin drop on our bus. So they haul me And the other guy that was helping me lead the trip, they haul us off to the head guy's office there. And I've been told this, that if you ever get caught smuggling stuff into Mexico, you're going to spend some nights in a Mexican jail. And that's not something you really want to do. It's not a good experience. And so they haul the leaders off there. As we're walking away from the bus, you can hear a rumbling roar, kind of a a hush roar. Not a real loud roar, but a, a humbling sound. Everybody... Is praying in their prayer language and they are interceding and believing God for a miracle here because they're seeing their two leaders being escorted off into somewhere in the night that they had no idea where they were going. We get in the guy's office there and he says, What are these? I says, Well, these are gifts for the Mexicans. He says, You know, this is illegal. I said, Oh, really? (laughs) You know, you act dumb. (laughs) Well, and, and then they're wanting bribes. We're not going to bribe anybody and I mean all this kind of stuff. So they're interrogating us for about a half hour. Finally, the guy, he gets so frustrated with us and everything. He finally just, he, he slams his fist on the desk and he says, go on and go. And we run out of that office. Man, the bus is like from here to the building across the street. And I, I said, let's not run, but let's walk about as fast as we can. And we're walking across there like like we had diarrhea ready to get the, hit the bus we're we're going as quick as we can we get on the bus the bus door shuts we put that thing in gear and we're about ready to go and pound 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 on the door this head guy in that building that was interrogating us he says open the door and I thought oh no <laughs> he opens the door and he says uh can I come on the bus I said sure come on he he says can I have a box of those for my family Come on now, come on now. What if, you know, what was so cool is that when we were being led off there, they told me what was going on on the bus. They were worshiping, they were magnifying the Lord, they were saying, God is a God of miracles, God is good. I mean, they were singing, they were magnifying the Lord in there while we were under interrogation. You know, what would have the story been had they just been in fear on the bus? They were letting, what were they doing? Letting God arise. And the enemy was being scattered. And the enemy was being scattered. We said, no, we can't give you a case. We'll give you two. And we gave him two cases. And he just was as thrilled as could be and went off. And who knows what happened with that seed that was planted. You see, that could have been a disaster. But we learned to let God arise. Amen? Not let the problem arise. And, you know, you could go through the Bible and see illustration after illustration. This really is a pattern of the Bible where God arose the enemy always was scattered. Where God was allowed to come into the situation, the enemy always had to take a second place in every situation. It works in the smallest things and in the largest things. You see, I find whenever doubt wants to come into my mind about anything, that's an opportunity for me to let God arise. Whenever fear, especially with fear, when fear wants to come in about, oh no, what are we going to do here? Even the slightest little thing, that's always an opportunity to let God arise. You say, how would you learn that in your life? Well, I, I learned it by seeing my parents model that in their home as a child. I remember at 12 years old, we were on a bridge in Africa. I was born and raised in Africa, so we were in Africa a lot. (laughs) And we are on this bridge, and it was a stopped bridge. Maybe you've shared this story with your church before, but the bridge was loaded. It was just plugged up. They weren't going anywhere. And we looked out and saw a mob of angry people coming with clubs, and they were smashing out every window as they went by, and the glass was flying everywhere. We were in a VW bus. lot of glass you know one of those old hippie looking buses they were actually popular back then they were new you could buy them new back then we had a vw bus and the glass was was very prevalent on this thing all the way around and they're coming closer. And I'll never forget how my dad, he says, come on, everybody, let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. You can just hear my dad saying that. And we all began, I mean, as a 12-year-old man, I got spiritual real quick, all right? We're worshiping God. We're, we're. I think I even lifted my hand, all right? And we, we're praising God. And we're saying words like this. Thank you, Lord, you're our provider. Thank you, Lord, you're our protection. Thank you, Lord, that you'll make us invisible in their eyes. I mean, all this stuff's going on. What were we doing? We were, come on, say it with me, you are letting God arise. Now, when you let God arise, the scripture says the enemy will be scattered. They come to us, and when they come to us, it was like we were invisible. They walked all the way around us, not even a bump on the car. We were the only vehicle from what we could tell on the bridge that had no broken glass. Come on, either God has everything to do with us or he has nothing to do with us. Either God works for us the way he worked for David, or it's all just a story. Either God works for us the way God works for for Joshua and Caleb, or it's just a story. I can tell you over and over. I could tell you story after story after story about how when we chose to let God arise, the enemy always had to scatter. Even if we didn't see anything change, The enemy could not bring us fear anymore. Even if we didn't see circumstances turn around right away, something was different in the environment when we let God arise. It's just the way it works. Jehoshaphat learned a great lesson. And it's really Jehoshaphat in itself is a message of its own. The Amorites had come to battle against him. Some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea of Syria. So Judah gathered together to ask him help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood. The scripture says it like this. He stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord and said, O oh Lord God, our fathers, you are the God in heaven. Do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? In your hand there is not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land? Do you see Joshua, I mean, Jehoshaphat, what he was doing there is he was magnifying the Lord. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, everybody in this room has a testimony where God intervened in your life somewhere. Come on. We have, a testif- we have a testimony. I've got a story. I, I've been alive long enough to where I got enough stories about how God intervened in our life and how God gave us a testimony through it when we allowed God to arise. Here's what he was saying. He was reminding himself about how, oh God, aren't you the God of this? Aren't you the God of might? Aren't you the God of power? Aren't you the God who rescues me? You see, you can remind yourself not only through your stories that you walk through, but through the scriptures that tell you who God is. And as you begin to do that, you do the same thing Joshua, I mean Jehoshaphat did. If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine will cry out before you in our affliction, and you will hear and you will say, For you have no power against this, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But here's what he said but our eyes are on you. So now, not only were they magnifying the Lord, but now he was letting God arise and he was magnifying God. Our eyes are on you. It was like they took their magnifying glass out and said, God, we're gonna make you a lot bigger than this situation right now. Get our eyes looking through the magnifying glass that he wants us to look through. And here's what God said back to them. Oh, I love this. Listen, All of you Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it is God. That's the greatest lesson you can learn about magnifying the Lord. When you magnify the Lord and when you let God arise, you literally are giving God now the rights to your battle instead of you taking the battle on yourself. You see, Joshua had he, I mean, Jehoshaphat, had he taken on the battle to himself, he would have failed on the front lines, I promise you. But he said, no, I'm relinquishing my rights to this battle because I'm going to let you arise. I'm going to magnify you in this situation. And guess what now, God, you have the legal rights to this battle. I love it. It works that way. And so he began to tell them, he began to say, "Do not be afraid nor dismayed, because this great battle, the battle is yours. It's not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They'll surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem. And he will need to fight. You will not need to fight this battle." He said, "Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. When you let God arise, and when you begin to magnify the Lord, you are positioning yourself." God's intervention you're taking the position and I believe that that is what we need to see when we when we are when we are able to see that and of course then God gave him the strategy too many times when you let God arise and when you magnify the Lord the very next thing that comes is the strategy here's what you need to do one time the strategy is march around the wall seven days in a row be quiet that's a strategy He used that strategy one time, all right? Another time, the strategy is this. Listen, God has strategic abilities for your family, how you're going to weather life, how you're going to get through every situation that comes your way. No matter what comes to your doorstep, you can allow God to arise and you will defeat the enemy every time. I know that when we take this high road to magnify God, everything begins to change. I believe that's a real word, not only for you individually here, But I believe that also coincides with the word that I was feeling for this church. Keep allowing God to arise in this place. Amen? Let's not talk about the people that are not here. Let's talk about what's God doing in your life here. Come on, we're going to magnify the Lord. Bring a testimony every week about what God did in your life this week. Amen? Yesterday, you were able to marry a sheriff, right? a deputy sheriff, here, nine months ago, that would have never happened. God's given this man favor in the sheriff's office. Amen? I mean, he might be the one to arrest you one day. You never know. <laughs> or bail you out of a ticket. Who knows? <laughs> but God has given a favor. So look at Let's magnify the favor that God has given to you in the city right now through that, through that office. It's amazing. When we magnify what God is doing... All of a sudden, we say, wait, God is doing something. You see, So, how many people have ever stopped or failed just before the dawn breaks open. A lot of people do that. But we are not of those kind, amen? We're not of those that lose heart. We move forward regardless, amen? Do you receive that today? Do you really receive that word for not only your family? How many receive it for your family, all right? Come on, next time, I'm talking to couples right next time, you have a choice to magnify the fight that you and your wife are getting into, don't magnify the fight. You know that doesn't go anywhere. Come on, slug your mate and say, I know, I've tried that, it doesn't work. It just gets worse, doesn't it? But magnify the Lord in it. When you have a challenge, watch what God can do
0: to turn that situation around. Amen? Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts. But also in the area of support, if you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at WLMIAMA.com. That's W L M I A M I. Dot com and click on the Give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.